Good morning. Hope everybody had a great week. Yeah. Prayer request. The definitely the usual. It's getting interesting in the Middle East this yeah, week. Prayer oh, yeah. for the people in the Sudan. You know, yes. I think how many Americans has done died? I didn't catch that but number. But the sad part yeah. about it is France is having to rescue the Americans out of the Sudan. Yeah. How did they well, they actually have helped us in the past, but uh, it's sad that America is not rescuing our own people. But our government says that it is too—it's too dangerous to rescue our Americans. They didn't even—they barely did it out of Afghanistan. Well, they didn't get everybody. That's what I'm saying. They barely got everybody out of Afghanistan. Oh, there's quite a few still, out still there. in Afghanistan. But France stepped up. And, about it. France stepped up and helped us, or is helping us. That that was good to see. Um, also, remember Israel. Some interesting things happening in and around Israel this morning, this week. Yes, it is. But there was an interesting news article that escaped out of Iran that just I was fascinated by. You know, I've been saying for the last several weeks that Iran's having protests in the street. The last protest was a pro-Israeli rally. Now, let that sink in for just a little bit. Pro-Israeli rally protest in the streets of Tehran, Iran. Let that just sink in. That, would, that fascinated me this week when I saw that. I'm like, whoa. This is, and it's the young people. It's the young people of Iran is is out in the streets rallying and protesting in favor of Israel. Now that is that is huge. That's monumental. Yeah, that's answer to prayer. That's prayer. But it's also another sign of the end. So if you are a Christian, these are exciting times. If you are a sinner, have mercy. You should be scared. Did you hear about the bill that they got going on about them wanting us to be in the World Health Organization that Trump tried to take us? He took us out and Biden put us back in. Mm -hmm. And now they're trying to pass that bill that that one person will be in charge of. Mm -hmm. yeah. Welcome to a world government. Yeah, that's what I, when I saw that, I saw that on because uh, I watched Daystar. I saw it on Joni's Tabletop. And they had the woman, a congresswoman, that was on there, and she was talking about this bill. And she was saying that you need to fast and you need to pray. Yeah. Because if this bill comes to pass, which, and then in my mind I said, well, this is what they're trying to set up for the new world order once yep. the Antichrist well, comes into power. So, but Biden put us back into the World Health Organization after Trump got us out. Yeah. It's all, it's all about World yeah. government. And I was, oh man. And he made the proclamation, the announcement, the whatever you want to call it, that children are everybody's. <clears throat> you can't, if you're a child, you can't vote until you're, what, 18? Mm -hmm. You can't drink until you're 21, mm -hmm. smoke until you're 21. But yet at four and five and six, you can decide you don't want to be a boy and you can be a girl or if you want to be a, if you're a girl, you want to be. And your parents can get you the medicine that you need to do that. When is it that, you know, children, 
I'm, I need to take a class that teaches me when a child can make a rational decision and when a child can't make a rational decision. Apparently, we can't allow children to vote, smoke, or drink, but we can allow them to tell the, us what gender they want to be. Where is the balance there, boys and girls? Where's the balance? Well, even at 18, they don't have something to make a decision. Most of them. I, I know some 60-year-olds that I question about their sense. <laughs> I was going to say, sometimes I I look at myself, who is 58, and in the mirror, and I'm going, you're an idiot. I'm better than an idiot. <laughs> about yourself. <laughs> you building yourself up in the Lord. Oh, I am in, in the Lord, but the, I know I make dumb decisions. Yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, my girlfriend yeah, and we, I went we to uh, Charlotte one day this week, and we went to uh, we went to the container store, best around in there, and then we went to a little French restaurant not far from there. It's called A Millions of Millions, ever how you pronounce the name. And the food was good. Oh, yes, it pricey. is delicious. The food was good. It's a French and restaurant. So, oh, pastry. Oh, yes. Anyway. Their creme brulee is the dye for it. I got up and went to the bathroom. And as I stand at the lady's door, there's a sign there that says, it is our privilege to let you choose which restroom to go to for the agenda, for the gender that you choose, not what is listed on your birthday. I'm not even going to go there. So, I mean, it's the first time I have ever seen that. It's first, and, oh. I mean, it shot me, and I thought, what am I going to do if I walk in this bathroom and there's a man in there? What am I going to do? And then I said, Diane, you're going to turn around and walk out. There's another one. See if that one's empty. Because it was one of those going to go, you know? And so, but there wasn't anybody in there. But somebody come in when I was in the stall. <laughs> and I kept looking at them like, that's who fucking Tuesday at them. But it was a lady. It was a lady. So when I went back, I told my girlfriend, I said, I told her what was, I said, do you want to go read it? You choose for yourself. I said, uh, whether you go in there or not, because we have no idea what kind of people's been in there back. None. And uh, she said, well, I'm not as desperate as you were. She said, I might just wait. I just might wait. We might have to stop on our way home. But anyway, mm -hmm. that's the first time I had ever seen you can use mm -hmm. whatever bathroom you want to according to the gender you choose. Yeah. Not what's on your first Yeah. Yeah. Any other prayer requests? <laughs> just pray for my knee, please. I've been a lot of knee issues. Let's remember this. God is good and he will heal. If not, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come into your house to worship, to praise and to honor your name. Lord, we ask that you'll move and that you'll touch, Lord, that you'll lift us up into your bosom. Lord, this world is... Well, it's getting crazy, God, but we know that you know all things. And we know that, Lord, you said it is finished and all things are finished, Lord. We're just waiting on your return, God. Help us to reach those that are lost. Help us to reach those that are saved, Lord, to help them along the path. In Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are still in the book of Habakkuk. We are, uh, what, verse 10 of chapter 2, which is page 9 of 16.
Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people and hast sinned against thy soul. The Babylonians brought dishonor to their families and their cities by destroying many lands and communities. Now, Israel has a law of hospitality, okay? And the law of hospitality simply means that if someone comes to your door and knocks on your door and asks for shelter or food or water or whatever, the law of hospitality says you have to give it to them. Not a bad law, to be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if it's a written law or if it's just traditional law, but that is a, a law from the biblical times of, of the law of hospitality. Babylonians didn't, didn't look at that law. They did not have that tradition. They came to your house. They was there for one reason, to take what you had. Now, Israel would get in trouble over the years by not enforcing that law. I think it's a good, and you know, it kind of fits with the mountain people. And I you know, don't want to badmouth you city slickers and you, you know, valley dwellers, <laughs> but mountain people will help those that come to their door. That's a given. Now, is it a throwback to those days? I don't know. I won't, I won't go there, but you come to my parents' door needing something, you were guaranteed you would get it if it was in the house and one of the kids didn't want it or need it. They would not take away from us to provide to a stranger, but they would definitely provide for the stranger. Now, the only person that wasn't allowed in my parents' house was a drunk. He, they, they were not allowed. They could sleep in the driveway in their car. They could sleep on the yard. They could sleep wherever, but they weren't allowed in the house. My dad would not go for that. The old mountain people would say he wouldn't cotton to that idea. And but if they wanted something, if they needed something to eat, it was brought to them. If they needed something to drink, it was brought to them. Not alcohol. Alcohol was not in my parents' house. But thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people. It was shameful for the Israelites to not help those that were in need. The Babylonians, on the other hand, whom this verse is talking about, they had shamed their house by cutting off people and has sinned against the soul. God calls this a sin, the harshest form of criticism that anyone can utter. In doing this, Babylonian, Babylonian having sinned, is guilty of losing their salvation and spending eternity in hell. That's according to the Christian way of looking at the world. The Babylonians didn't see it that way. They they worshiped their own God. Let me rephrase that. They worshiped their own gods, little g, plural. But now, if you're a Christian and you blow it, and we was talking about that just a few moments ago, I look at myself in the mirror a lot of times and I call myself an idiot because I blew it. That's not going to send you to hell. It's if you live that lifestyle, if you continue to go and do that and continue to go and do that and continue to go and do that, and it becomes your lifestyle. That's when you're in danger. That's when you are seriously in danger. Christ knew that we would not be holy all the time. He knew that. That's the reason why he had to come and die on the cross of Calvary. All the way back to Adam 
and Eve. Adam and Eve was told, don't eat, or Adam was told, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In that day, thou shalt surely die. Eve told the serpent, we can't touch the fruit. That's not what God said. So where did she get that? More than likely, she got it from Adam. Adam, to protect Eve and to protect his children, probably told them, don't touch of the tree. If you don't touch it, you can't eat it. Aren't we guilty of, of doing things like that too? We, we take the law, we go one step further. It's the reason why we have uh, you know volumes after volumes after volumes of law books. It's because we've taken the Ten Commandments and we've expanded them. If you cannot keep the Ten Commandments as simple written as they are, then what makes you think you're going to keep some of these other rules and laws that's out on the books? And there is a city ordinance in Texas that says if two trains are on opposite tracks and they're going toward each other, both trains must stop, come to a complete stop, and must stay stopped until the other train is out of sight. How do you, how do you keep that, that ordinance? You can't. So what they've done is, and what Adam and Eve done, is they, they embellished on the original law. The original law was, don't eat of the tree. So they embellished them, don't touch the tree. And I always say that if it continued on, Eve would have probably told her children, don't play near the tree or don't touch the tree. And then somebody would have come up and said, don't play near the tree. And then somebody would have said, don't even go in the same area as the, they would have put a fence around it. Don't, don't go over there. And then before long it would be, well, don't go on the south end or the north end, whichever end of the garden it was on. And before long, well, don't even go into the garden. There's the tree there. Oh my gosh. How many of us likes snakes? How many of us likes the woods? Do we stay out of the woods because of the snakes? No, we don't. We're just more cautious in the woods when snakes are crawling, which by the way, they are crawling now. They are actually out and about now. So if you're out and about, be careful. But we don't stay away from the woods because of the snakes. We're just more cautious. But wait, the Bible told us that we can pick up the serpent and it bite us and we wouldn't die. Well, yeah, that's what the Bible tells us, but we shouldn't go out there and play with it that's, like so many people do. That's right, like that's the religion that they, the snake handlers in yes. the mountains. Yeah. Have you ever watched any of the yes. documentaries? I actually know where those churches are, some of those churches are at. But believe it or not, the, the only state in the United States that that is actually legal in is West Virginia. All other states, it is illegal to have those kind of services. But here's the point. Why have a law? Isn't that infringing upon someone's religious rights? Think about it. Just a second. Would you handle a snake in a church service? No. Well, then don't go to those churches. I mean, I, I hate to be that way, but it's kind of logical. If you have a problem with drinking, well, don't drink. If you have a problem with drugs, don't do drugs. But, you don't want Mexican, don't go to a Mexican restaurant. Exactly. 
we have to take responsibilities for ourselves. But so many laws skirt that issue, if you will. You cannot regulate morality. You're either going to be a good person or you're going to be a bad person. It doesn't matter about what the law says. We go, in the company I work for, we go or used to go to so many classes to teach us how to be good employees. You're either going to be a good employee or you're not. You're not learning it in classroom. You teach a child yes, and then he, he does what? Train up a child in the way he should go and he will never depart from it. Oh, wait, that has no bearing on the subject whatsoever. Apparently, the Babylonians wasn't trained up in the way that they should go. They was trained up. They was trained up in a, in a different way, in an ungodly way. 11, for the stone shall cry out of the wall and the beam out of the timber shall answer it. If all the enemies of Babylon were killed, the walls and rafters could still testify against Babylon. We have probably all heard the statement if these walls could talk, what they would say. Imagine what these walls in this room would say if they could actually vocalize what they have seen in their standing here. Now, this has not always been a church. This was a, a Christian ministry. It's, it moved to the next to the the campground over there. So this part of the room was probably filled with either, you know, canned goods or dry goods or something, or maybe clothing that people could come in and, and, and get. So the people that it has seen, the conversations that it has heard. How about the walls of your home? What would they say if they could hear? The walls of my shop. What would they say? Would I be embarrassed? Oh, yeah, definitely. In my car. In my car, definitely be embarrassed if the steering wheel could talk. <laughs> my point, you know, we, we have to be on guard 24-7. We do. If we're awake, we have to be on guard. I, I said it that way one time, and somebody came back and said, well, you're supposed to guard your thoughts all the time. You can't really guard against your thoughts of sleeping while you're sleeping. But what you can do is pray before you go to sleep and pray after you get up. Or if it wakes you up, pray then. But there's really no way that you can guard your thoughts. And that's why God does a lot of visions in your sleep. But that's also why Satan attacks you with nightmares and other things. is because you are not guarding yourself during your sleep. If we could hear what these walls would say, here in this verse, if the walls could talk, they would likely tell of the deceit, treachery, and violence planned by Babylon against the nations around it. In Luke 19 and 40, and he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Jesus was telling the Pharisees that if the worshipers would be silent, the stones would worship Jesus. I'm here to tell you that they already do. The stones already cry out. Because in a lot of these devices that we have and our phones included, 
There's minerals. Minerals are rocks. The stones are crying out. Now that may be, you, you may think that that's a stretch on that, but it's not. It's really not. The technology that we have today is used for good or evil, depending on who's using it, depending on when or where they're at. The stones are already crying out because God-filled worship is not where what it used to be. It's not where it used to be. It's not as prominent as it used to be. So the stones are crying out for us or in our place instead. And that's a sad commentary on the world. But it's the reason the world is the way the world is is because the church is the way the church is. Am I down on Christianity? No, I'm not. I'm not. But I am trying to open Christians' eyes to see that we, we're we not where we're supposed to be. We are not as near as close as we used to be, and we're not doing what we should do. If churches done what churches were supposed to do, the world wouldn't be the way the world is. Now, I had a, as most of you know, I'm trained in environmental. And I had an individual one time come at me in a conversation. She was not a Christian. And she blamed the world's pollution on Christians. On what? On Christians. Oh, wow. And I stopped and I looked at her and I said, okay, explain to me how it's Christian's fault that the world's pollution is out of control. Well, because in Genesis it says for uh, Adam to go into the garden and subdue it. <laughs> That's what my father-in-law would do. <clears throat> I said, how about reading where it says to dress and keep it? That's what subdue means. We're supposed to dress and keep it under control. Subdue, control it. Walk away from your home for a one year. Just walk away from your home. Don't go through the front door. Don't go through the front yard. Don't go into the backyard. Just move next door for one year and watch nature take it back. It'll do it every time. Two or three weeks. In two or three weeks, really, <laughs> definitely in a month. But in one year, you wouldn't be able to recognize your own place. And that building, that house, if it's still standing, it's going to look sad because it was designed for one thing and one thing only, to have people in it. Nature abhors a vacuum and you're moving out of your house for a year. That's a vacuum. It's going to take it back. We are to control nature. We are to keep it under control. It's not that we are supposed to, you know, pillage and plunder, but we are supposed to control it, dress and keep it. She just looked at me like I was an idiot. 12, woe to him that buildeth a town with blood and establishes a city by iniquity. Woe to the city that builds on bloodshed and deceit. How many countries do you know that was built on bloodshed and deceit? How about pretty much all of them? 
Except for Antarctica. <laughs> Give us time. Give us time. We're we're trying to train those penguins. No, I'm just kidding. It's coming. It's coming. Now you can you can argue America's the same way. Yes, we are deceitful. We have been in the past and we will be in the future. America wasn't founded on deceit, though. America was founded on Christian principles and religious freedom. They moved from overseas because the king tried to tell them how to worship, and they didn't have it. But now once they got over here to America, they tried to tell the Native Americans that they had to worship God the way they wanted them to worship God. So we've done the same thing. Am I saying America's evil? No. I'm saying America was built on Christian principles. We soon quickly forgot those Christian principles. And 200 years later, we definitely forgot them. We are no longer a Christian nation. Well, there is a remnant of Christians in America, and that's what's keeping this country afloat. But we are no longer a Christian nation. It's anything goes in America. If it makes you happy, do it. If it makes you happy, maybe you need to stop and think about whether or not you should be doing it, unless it's worshiping God. Don't ever let anybody tell you how to worship God. Don't ever let anybody tell you how to vote in an election. Don't ever allow anybody to tell you other than God. We need to turn our face to God and say, God, we're in trouble. We're facing another stinking election. Who do we vote for? We need to start praying that prayer now and let God direct us. Whoever it is. You might be uh, a pro-Biden. You might be pro-Trump. You might be pro-DeSantis. You might be pro-Nikki Haley. You might be pro-whomever. Let God tell you who to vote for. Because he's not going to tell you wrong. Here's something that's going to maybe surprise you from a Sunday school teacher, but let God tell you which church to go to. If God's not telling you to come to this church, ask God, should I come to this church? Let God tell you. You'll be miserable if you don't listen to God. And trust me, <laughs> he doesn't want you miserable. He wants you full of joy, and he wants you have an abundant life. Nowhere in the Bible does he tell us that we're going to be happy. What? Nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt be happy. No, he says thou shalt be joyful. <laughs> joy and happy is two different things. You can be joyful and have the worst day of your life. I stood at the casket of a cousin who had killed himself a number of years ago. His sweet little mother was standing there and I put my arm around my great aunt and I said, how you doing? And I was just a little kid, teenager. God is good. Mm. What? <laughs> God is good, Robert. How can you say that, Robert? Because he is because he is.
That woman was not a happy woman right then. She was burying her son. But she was joyful in the fact that God was still in control. You can have a bad day and still be joyful. But have a bad day and be happy, then they're going to start thinking, maybe you're insane. <laughs> True. So God doesn't tell us. I had somebody once, well, God wants me happy. No, God wants you joyful. God wants you full of joy. Happiness is depending on you. You can be happy. You can be sad. But you better not be either without God. Babylon had built up their entire empire without God for a while. And I have to say that for a while because then King Nebuchadnezzar comes on the scene. And we all know who King Nebuchadnezzar was. Well, one day he was walking through his palace and he th said, hey, look at what I've done. Look at what I've built. Look at what I've accomplished. And God went, uh, wait a minute, hold it. <laughs> Stop. You didn't do it, buddy. I did. And he made Nebuchadnezzar go insane. You say, wait, wait, hold it, what? Yes, Nebuchadnezzar then for seven years lived out in the woods eating grass like a beast. And then he woke up. He re received his, his senses again, if you will. And he went, whoops, ah, boy, did I make a mistake. Yeah, God, you did this, not me. And he was restored immediately back to the throne. That's according to the scriptures. That's not Robert's story. That's God's words. So there was a time when Babylon was godly because after Nebuchadnezzar showed up on the scene, after he had eaten in the grass, eaten the grass for seven years, he decided that he wanted to follow God for a while. And then his son got on the scene and it went south again. Woe to the city that builds on bloodshed and deceit. Whatever is built on violence and lies will also be taken down with violence and lies. Babylon is about to be destroyed. Never to be heard from again. We get the statement, the handwriting on the wall. We see the writing on the wall from the day that Babylon fell. Belshazzar was having a party and a hand appeared and wrote on the wall, Mene, Mene, tackle up Sharshan. I have found you wanting. I have weighed you in the balance and I have found you wanting. This day your kingdom will be taken. And that very night, the Medes and the Persians attacked and destroyed everything in the land. 13. Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the very fire and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity? Solomon, the wisest king in the country, in the world that's ever seen, also probably the richest man to ever have lived, had it all and declared that everything was vanity. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. He had looked at everything he had and he realized that the reason he had it was because of his vain ideas and his vanity toward himself. 
God will decree that inhabitants' efforts will be in vain. If the Lord does not build it, the house is built in vain. Anyone that builds on deceits, the house of cards will come crashing down. This is true for churches, careers, cities, and countries. You see these churches and you wonder how in the world they stay afloat. Well, their reward is coming or their punishment is coming and they will pay the ultimate price. Countries are the same. Families are the same. Companies are the same. You cannot build your company. You cannot build your company on a lie and deceit. It will not withstand. Psalms 127 verse 1 says, Except the Lord build the house, they that labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. We believe that our military is our might, and they are a great military. I'm not throwing rocks at the military of the United States of America. It is the most powerful military force in the world. But if you're relying on the United States military to protect us, you're putting your wonder, you're putting your your faith in the wrong thing. Babylon was the world's most powerful army at the time, and they fell overnight. Britain was the most powerful military force the world had ever seen, and 13 colonies, with the help of France, took some of their power away from them. The world's greatest military never won in Korea, never won in Vietnam. The world's greatest military can be overthrown if God is not at the center of the military. Amen. He told Israel, do not put your trust and your faith in the chariots of Egypt. Solomon gets in office. He marries an Egyptian princess and he buys Egyptian chariots. Don't put your faith in Egypt. Don't put your faith in man. Don't put your faith in your, your Abram's tanks. Again, my son's a soldier, or was a soldier. For 12 years, he wore the uniform proudly. He fought in Iraq. He rescued people on the coast of North Carolina when there was flooding. He's been all over the world. My father was a World War II veteran, all over European campaign with some dude named, you know, General George S. Patton. Don't know much about him. <laughs> he followed, my, my father's unit was attached to Patton's armored division. I'm not saying anything wrong with the United States military. I'm just saying if we put our trust and our faith in our rockets and in our bombs and in our tanks and in our weapons, we're putting our faith and our trust in the wrong things. 
If you put your faith in rockets, what happened when Elon tried to launch his last one? It got up so far and then just exploded all over the place. It's the world's most powerful rocket ever to be launched. And it got up so far and disintegrated in air. We can't put our trust and our faith in something that's man-made. We have to put our trust and our faith in God. He's the only thing that we need. In Jeremiah 51 and verse 58, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the broad walls of Babylon shall be utterly broken and her high gates shall be burned with fire and the people shall labor in vain and the folk in the fire and they shall be weary. If God is not in it, then it will not last and it will not stand. The walls of Jericho was so wide that they could run chariots on the top of them. Three wide. There wasn't a battle that destroyed that city. It wasn't a battering ram or a siege engine. It was God telling the Israelites, today, march around one time, keep your mouth shut. Next day, march around, keep your mouth shut. March around, keep your mouth shut. March around, keep your mouth shut. Seventh day, march around seven times. Okay, now scream. Yeah, blow the trumpets. And the walls come crashing down. I would have loved to seen that. I would have if I had been in Israel's shoes. If I had been in Jericho's city, I would not have wanted to see that. They were terrified. The the Rahab, the harlot, told the spies, we melt because we know you're coming. We're shaking in our boots. We're terrified of you people. Where's the terror of God anymore? And I'm not saying that as a Christian we should be shaking in our boots, terrified of God, but we should have a fear of God, a reverential fear of God. He's the only one that can destroy both body and soul. See, we can kill ourselves or we can be killed, but our soul lives on. God could destroy our soul if he wished. We need to have a reverential fear of God. We need to know that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, and can do whatever he wants to do, and he'd be justified in doing it. If he decided to just blink and just wipe America or the whole world out of existence, He's justified in doing it. Over. Multiple times over. That's it. Yeah. If he wanted to. But thank God he's a long-suffering God and he's still waiting for us to come to him. He's not waiting for us to get it right because there's no way we can get it right. Not on our own. So he's not waiting for us to get it right. You hear people, oh, well, I'll come to the Lord when I make it right. No. No, you you can't do that. You can't do that. Seek him now while he can be found. Because he may not always be here. His spirit may not always be here urging us and drawing us and pleading with us and, and trying to get us to come to him. 
After a while, he gets tired of knocking on the door and he moves to your neighbor. You can't come to God when you want to come to God. You come to God when God is drawing you. When he's drawing you. When he's speaking to you. Well, how do I know he's speaking? If he's telling you to come, that's God. That's not Satan. Satan's not going to tell you to do right. That's not the way Satan operates. Now, he will blind you and make you think you are doing right when you know you're doing wrong. Oh, well, it's just a little sin. It ain't hurting nobody. It's okay this time. You're tired. Don't read your Bible. You're tired. Don't pray. Oh, you're you're too busy to stop and talk to that homeless person on the street. What? Wait, wait, what? Yeah. You can you can turn off God by not talking to his fellow preachers. He created all of us. And by not talking to the homeless, I know that it's bad. I know it is. And I know that there are some out there that just harasses the devil out of you. I know that too. There is one that used to be in Charlotte, and every time he saw me, he told me the same story. At least it was the same story. But he was always trying to get money for a bus ticket to get someplace. Well, son, by the time first day I met you till the time today, you could have walked and gotten there by now. I even stopped him one day. I said, look, I've heard this. I've heard this story. Time out. He what? I said, every time you see me, you tell me the same story. I said, at least you're consistent. I will give you that. <laughs> and he just looked at me. I said, why do you really want the money? Why do you really need the money? Well, I've got to get a bus ticket. Son, you've been trying to get that bus ticket for three years. <laughs> What's the problem? And he just, he walked off. And he went up to this young lady and he told her the same story. I walked up and I said, same story again, huh? And just kept walking. And she called up to me later and she said, thanks. I didn't know how to handle that. I said, he's the aggravating one. Okay. He will tell you that same story over and over and over and over and over again. But there are others out there. They just want a friend. They just want somebody to talk to. They just want somebody to acknowledge their presence. They want somebody to say, hey, you're human. And recognize them as such. Where are we today? Where's the church at today? Where's America at today? And where's the world at today? People don't even talk to their neighbors. No, they don't. They won't look you in the eye. Just yesterday, I had a package or two packages coming from Amazon. And when I got home, the my notification, hey, your packages are at the front door. No, they're not. Mm. You delivered them to the wrong address or somebody stole them. One of the two has happened. About 8 o'clock at night, knock, 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 next door neighbor. Hey, we just got home. Here's your packages. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I didn't know where they had been delivered to. He could have kept them. 
opened them, used them, I would have never have known. No, knock, knock, knock. Here you go. Here's your packages. They came to our house instead of yours. Oh, okay, thanks. Appreciate you bringing them over. Where are we, though? In the darkness. We are in the darkness. We have allowed Satan to blind us. He has lulled the church to sleep or is lulling the church to sleep. Because if you're asleep, you're not on guard. Mm -hmm. if, you're on, if you're asleep, you're not watching on the tower. That's what we're called to do is to be a watchman. I keep dropping my book this morning. That's what COVID was all about. It very well could have been. Isolation. Stop at the churches, stop at the message. But it backfired on that a lot of these people that wasn't using uh, social media, they found out how to go to social media and how to broadcast from there and mm -hmm. now about everybody you talk to go to uh, is on social media ads, just like you. Look at all the people that you're mm -hmm. that you're touching from what you're doing here. Mm -hmm. And was you doing that much before COVID or anything? No, no. I started during COVID. Okay, and, and I think that was the whole thing. The devil's trick of COVID was let's set, shut down the churches. We will take back up. And verse 14 next week, if you're here. And if you're not here, well, we'll take back up in verse 14 next week. <laughs> Whether you're here or not, I don't care. Hey, I have taught an empty classroom before. I have taught an empty room because I had people that was watching on online so I was standing, sitting in front of the camera like I am right now, but there was nobody out there. <laughs> Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity again to come into your house. Lord, we ask that you'll anoint the messenger, give them the message you'd wish them to have, anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive, Lord. Anoint the music and the musicians and let it be a Especially pleasing unto your ears, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.